name is not Dr. Google. I'm Dr. V. I want you to be healthy and happy, so we're going to talk about all the things I can't fit into a 15-minute appointment. Let's get started. Step into my office. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Office Visits with Dr. V. This is my time with you in our cyber office visit. About 15 minutes of information that I hope will help you tremendously. The purpose of this podcast is to educate you and to remind you to kind of take care of yourself more than you probably have been doing in the past. Please, please, please share this information with friends uh, and let's stay connected. Uh, You can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and my website at officevisitswithdrv.com. Now, Remember, I'm going to give you some basic information. I'm always going to give you five takeaways, kind of the big key point. But just remember, this is for educational purposes only. So if something kind of piques your interest or, hey, you say, hmm, that sounds like me, then please make an appointment with a health professional to discuss it before you start making any changes. So this topic today, ladies and some gentlemen, hopefully. It's one of the reasons that I wanted to have a podcast because this topic can either be five or 10 minutes or it can be a full box of tissues and sniffles in 30 minutes. The title is herpes. Say what? Herpes. We're going to talk about herpes. Herpes is another sexually transmitted disease, but oh my goodness, it is much more than an STD gonorrhea, chlamydia, you get an antibiotic, you move on. Herpes, there is this stigma that there's a shame that comes with it. It's always with you. And there's a lot of misinformation that I think contributes to the stigma. But first, let's just kind of start with the basics. Herpes is also known as HSV, which stands for herpes simplex virus, which is different from HPV. HPV was last episode, so I put them together. Listen to them both. HSV is one and two. And we used to think of HSV1 was above the waist, like cold sores around the mouth that you potentially could get from your parents when you were a baby because they were kissing all on you. Below the waist used to be HSV2. We're now seeing both of them above the waist and below the waist. I think it's because of the increase in oral sex. I'm sure people were having oral sex before, but we're seeing more of herpes 1 in the genitalia. So let's just talk about what it is and and how it comes to be that maybe you might suspect that you have it. So usually most people get some type of ulcer or blister that hurts and burns. A mild case, it might tingle, it might itch, but usually there is some discomfort because this particular virus loves to live in the nerves. And what do nerves do? They are your nerves that feel and sense things. So you can have the ulcers, you can have the burning with urination. So when you pee, it burns and it hurts. And some people will even come in and say, I have this cut. If you get a lot of them at one time for the very first time, I usually can diagnose herpes when people are walking into the office. It's kind of like you have to shuffle along because you can't let your your thighs touch together because it hurts so bad. In extreme cases, you can get these enlarged lymph nodes like in your groin where your panty line is. You can even get a fever. And because it's just like this raging infection, you can get really, really tired and just feel really, really bad. And so most people will know something ain't right 
they will come into the doctor. And usually it's very easy to, to see, very easy to diagnose. Although herpes can masquerade as a lot of things, especially when you've had it a while. So let's talk about how you get it. And again, it's a what? It's a sexually transmitted infection, STI. So you get it through sexual contact. Now, herpes one, when you have cold sores, again, if someone has a cold sore and they kiss you around the mouth area, then you can get a cold sore. And that that's also a herpes virus. It's not to say you got that through sexual transmission, but when I'm talking about genital herpes. Now, one thing about transmission, and this is kind of what we're seeing with the COVID virus, and, and I have said COVID acts like herpes. You can have asymptomatic shedding. All that means is that you've got the virus kind of coming to the surface and you can spread it. But guess what? You don't have any symptoms. You don't know it's there. You don't feel it, but you are spreading the virus. Most people don't know that they have it. They don't know. And I've seen numbers as high as possibly 70% of people have a, a herpes infection. In my preparation for the show today, It was difficult to get a percentage, but millions and millions of people have this infection. One thing that I think sometimes people are not aware of is that if you have any concerns that there's something not going on right and it could be herpes, you should not have sex because those little lesions, those blisters, they have more virus in them. And the more virus you have at the surface, the more likely you are to spread it through sexual contact. The other thing as far as transmission is that you need to have a discussion with your partner and find out if your partner has herpes. Now, this is really kind of where some of the stigma comes in because people are like, oh, nobody's going to love me if I have herpes. And I've learned from patients, there are even websites or Facebook groups where people are finding other people who have herpes to date so they don't have to have this uncomfortable conversation. But one way that you can prevent getting herpes is by having a conversation. We'll talk about testing in a moment. Skin to skin contact is the way that you can get it. Again, condoms, they protect you and can reduce the transmission, but it doesn't cover every portion of the skin of the genitalia. So you still can transmit it. One way that you can prevent it is A, using a condom, B, reducing the number of partners. If you are having sex with 10 people, more than likely someone out of that 10 has herpes or and definitely HPV. So if you reduce the number of partners, you decrease the chances that you'll even come in contact with it. And like I said with HPV last episode, if you've never had sex with anyone and your partner's never had sex with anyone, that's called abstinence, and you all get together and you're in a relationship, then that means that there's no way that you could get herpes. Now, sex is, people think penetration. I'm talking oral, anal, all of it. Any of those ways, you can actually be exposed. But if you're abstinence of all sexual contact, then you can prevent getting herpes. All right, so how do we test it? If I see somebody coming down, shuffling down the hallway and I examine them and they're what? Their vulva has all these ulcers and blisters and they have enlarged lymph nodes. I'm actually going to take a swab of that particular sore, that ulcer. On that ulcer will be lots of virus. We'll send it to the lab. And that's going to tell me if those particular blisters that I see at that moment actually have herpes. Now, another way is what if maybe you thought you were, you've come in contact with someone or your partner has tested positive. We can test through blood. 
meaning that we can do like an HIV test and a syphilis test. We draw blood from your arm and we can specifically test for the herpes virus. Now, what I have to tell you is that when we check for this herpes virus through blood, all it tells us, all it tells us is that you've been exposed to it and you've come in contact. It doesn't tell us when you got it, doesn't tell us how long you had it, doesn't tell us who you got it from. So again, this isn't one that we go destroying marriages because, you know, oh my gosh, I've got herpes in the blood. Now there is a way to figure out if you've been newly exposed and there's incubation periods, big words y'all, but essentially um, most people have been carriers for a long time. And like I said, they didn't know that they had it. Sometimes people will come in and they have, you know, recurring itching in the same spot. And remember, herpes likes to live in the nerve. So any itching or tingling or a little bump or cut that always comes back in the same spot is a hallmark characteristic of a herpes infection. So some people may have that. And I said, you know, let's go ahead and test you. Like I have a reason to look for herpes. Now, what I will tell you is that there was a time in my career where when people would say, test me for everything, I tested them for herpes routinely. And what I found is that most people have herpes. They lived in their happy little bubble. They didn't worry about it, didn't stress about it. And then I have to tell them, hey, you have herpes, but they've never had any symptoms. And literally, I have a box of tissues in my exam room specifically for the herpes talk, because it usually would end in tears and crying and how am I going to tell, you know, my partner and, and not to belittle any of that. But what I will say is that I think we should have a conversation about testing you for it. If you've got symptoms, absolutely. If your partner has tested positive, absolutely. But just kind of like screening, you know, you're particularly low risk, you're in one monogamous relationship and you're just kind of, you know, hey, let's just get tested. I'm not sure if herpes is a test for everybody. And actually the CDC supports that. We have to consider the emotional impact of this diagnosis when we're making that decision. So how do we treat it? The treatment is fairly easy as far as treating the blisters and the outbreak. The emotional part, that's a different story. But treating the actual outbreak, we have medications that you can take by mouth. And usually you get it in your system within the first 24 hours. So if you start feeling the tingling, the burning, you have the medication on hand and you start taking it. My preference is to treat with something called valcyclovir or Valtrex. And you just take it twice a day for three days as soon as you start seeing the outbreak. Some people that's $5, other people that's more expensive. Nowadays, it's usually affordable, but there is an older medication called acyclovir. It's not bad either, but you have to take it several times a day. And the more times a day people have to take stuff, they're not going to take it. So I like the twice a day medication. So there are a few reasons that we actually treat, and I'm just going to back it up. Outbreak is one of them. To prevent transmission is the other reason, and pregnancy is the third reason. So if you're having an outbreak, then you need to treat. If you have greater than nine to 10 outbreaks a year, then you actually can consider what we call suppression, meaning that you can take a medication every day so that you don't get these outbreaks. One thing about herpes is that it's uncomfortable and it hurts. And if you're in a relationship, you know, and you're having outbreaks every few weeks and having to get over it, you can't be in a sexual relationship. So suppressing it 
usually helps with the discomfort and can allow someone to kind of live a normal life, if you will. And so you can take medications every day. The good thing is that the longer you have the diagnosis of herpes, the fewer outbreaks you'll have. So if you got it in 2010, maybe you were getting, you know, outbreaks every other month, usually 10 or 15 years, you know, out, you're probably getting one outbreak a year one outbreak a year, maybe. And everybody's different. Again, your immune system does play a role in this as well. The other thing is that, you know, if you have a herpes one, remember traditionally that was above the waist. If you have that in the genitalia, it's usually not as aggressive and usually not as angry. So you might get the first outbreak maybe really, really bad, but usually the second outbreak is mild if you get a second one. So that's good to know. Preventing transmission is another reason that we treat. And the way this works is, is if you know you have it, you get your partner tested. And if your partner doesn't have it, then you have to have a conversation. You can take a pill every day to reduce what we said before, the asymptomatic shedding, the shedding that you don't know that's happening. So you can prevent the actual virus shedding and that prevents the transmission, meaning the spread or giving it to your partner. I would always, always, always recommend that you test your partner before. And guess what? You have got to have a conversation. I never recommend that someone keep this secret because again, there is a stigma with herpes. And if this is something you keep from your partner and you're taking the medicine so they don't get it, A, I don't think that's very honest and open. I don't know if that's a great way to start a relationship, but B, some people feel that this is very detrimental. And I would hate for you to hide that from someone who feels that way. The other time that we treat is pregnancy. Let me just say, if you have herpes, you can still have babies. You can still have babies. What we do is we will treat you for herpes suppression. Like I said, the daily treatment, we do that the month before your actual due date. What we're trying to do is to make sure that you don't have an outbreak before you go into labor. The reason is, is that if a baby, a newborn gets herpes, it can make them extremely, extremely sick. What happens if you have an outbreak and you go into labor, we have to do a C-section. A C-section is where you don't get to have your baby vaginally and we have to um, make a little incision on your belly to remove the baby that way. And the reason is, is because the risk of the herpes infection to a newborn is so great that we would have to avoid that. So if you have herpes or you're ashamed and you're not telling your OB or your gynecologist, that is not in your best interest, neither are the best interest of your unborn child. So please share every detail um, with your doctor. Lastly, I want to talk about the stigma of herpes. And again, a lot of people have it. And I tell patients, you know, if everybody who had herpes would wear a bright orange hat, There'd be a lot of people walking around with orange hats and maybe, you know, we would all feel better, but that's not the case. And I like what the CDC said in their guidelines, Center for Disease Control. They said that the anxiety concerning genital herpes does not reflect the clinical severity. The anxiety around herpes does not reflect the severity of it. Okay, you get hepatitis. You get a bad hepatitis infection that's not treated, guess what? You need a liver transplant to live. It can kill you. If you have HIV, it shuts down your immune system and you really do have to take medications every day 
to make sure that the virus doesn't overtake your body and you keep your viral loads low and keep your immune system working properly. This is not that type of infection. Let's even say gonorrhea and chlamydia. Yeah, we can usually treat that with an antibiotic, but if that goes untreated and you get a pelvic infection, we call it PID or pelvic inflammatory disease, it can cause you to get very sick. It can cause you to be infertile. It can cause you to be in the hospital because you got an abscess, which is a pocket of pus in your pelvis. Like major stuff happens. I'm not sure why herpes gets the rap that it does because yeah, you get the ulcers. Maybe the worst thing is if you have an outbreak when you're pregnant, you get a C-section, but you don't need a liver transplant. Your immune system is fine. I think the stigma comes with it's something that you'll have for the rest of your life. And I do understand that and I do get it. But I have seen women go into a full depression, a full depression, I'm not lying to you, needing counseling because they have a herpes diagnosis. Again, I want you guys to stay connected with me. And if I'm off base and you want to enlighten me about the stigma and the shame of it, then let's have that discussion. But again, the purpose of this podcast is to keep you happy and healthy and getting depressed over something in several years that really hopefully will be a non-issue is not something that I want you to carry. Uh, It does not define you. It doesn't make you less of a person. It's something you've got to deal with, but you can overcome this and you can live a normal, healthy life. You can have children and you can have wonderful, healthy relationships. All right, so let's just wrap this up and kind of review our five facts. Number one, symptoms, ulcers, blisters, burning, burning with urination, enlarged lymph nodes, fever, you're just not feeling well. Those are symptoms that maybe you might have a herpes infection, particularly if this happens on a regular basis in the same spot. Number two, this can be spread through sexual contact and it also can be done by someone who doesn't know that they have it. They are shedding the virus, meaning they have it there, but they don't have any of the symptoms that I just listed, but they are still spreading it. You can be tested. You can be tested through blood and you can get a swab of the lesion that we think is herpes. And that is helpful information to have. Number four, it can be treated. It can be treated with medications by mouth to help clear up an outbreak, to help suppress them from coming on a more regular basis. You can also take medication to prevent your partner from getting it. And you take it when you're pregnant to help your baby from getting the infection. And number five, lastly, the most important, the stigma of herpes is not something that you have to take on. And the anxiety around herpes does not reflect the clinical severity. It is not going to kill you. Your life will go on. And I want you to be happy and healthy. And you can do that even if you have herpes. All right, guys, that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. Please, please spread the word about herpes. It's not the curse that everybody thinks it is. Keep listening and we're gonna be healthy and happy together. See you next time. Thank you for listening to Office Visits with Dr. V. My prayer is that something said on this podcast will get you started on a path to your optimal health and wellness. The information, including opinions and recommendations discussed in this podcast is intended for informational and educational purposes only. Such information is not intended to be a substitute for the advice of a qualified and licensed physician or other healthcare provider. Although I'm a doctor, 
This does not replace the advice of your licensed physician or healthcare provider. So please, seek the advice of a qualified healthcare professional before making any changes to your healthcare regimen. And another thing, just by listening to this podcast doesn't make me your doctor. However, if you want to stay connected, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Office Visits with Dr. V. And go to my website at OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. That's OfficeVisitsWithDrV.com. Let's follow up next time. Blessings.